Hello and welcome to the Rip Body Podcast. I'm Andy and I'm joined by Coach Matt. Hi everyone. And today is Q&A Friday. Let's get right into it. Hi Andy and Matt. Your website is a wealth of knowledge and helps me lose 20 pounds from October to February, but I couldn't find anything regarding my current question. Is it necessary to go through fat loss in phases? I've seen some coaches say that each fat loss phase should take 12 to 16 weeks, and then we should take a maintenance break that lasts the same amount of time as the fat loss phase. And if we have more fat to lose, then go into a deficit again. Like I said above, I lost 20 pounds from October to February, and I had a two-week diet break over Christmas. Then I was in a maintenance phase until mid-June and started another fat loss phase. I had 15 to 20 pounds to lose, but I'm not sure if it was necessary to wait that long, knowing that I still have quite a bit to lose. Thank you, Adam. Well, Adam, first, very well done on losing uh, those 20 pounds. Um, wonderful. Uh, now, you, I think you did the right thing with taking that diet break over Christmas. I think that makes a lot of sense. You had already been dieting for a couple of months then. You probably lost 12 pounds, um, which is a great result. Um, and you probably needed the mental break. And you will see from the website that I do recommend that people who have, um, let's say, more than 15 pounds to lose, they break this off into discrete chunks where they have a fat loss phase and a diet break, a fat loss phase and a diet break. And a diet break, the way that I typically, the way that we typically recommend it with clients is one to two weeks of either eating ad libitum. This means um, eating without having a fixed uh, calorie or macro target, but just kind of eyeballing portions and trying to go by your hunger and fullness cues without going crazy. Um, now, the other style is to, um, we call it a controlled diet break, where we would have a specific calorie target that would be roughly at maintenance. And you would have, say, you'd eyeball a protein uh, minimum, um, and then you would sit there for one to two weeks. Um, so an example of this, let's say you've been losing uh, one pound per week. Um, then let's say after you've lost 20 pounds, you've been losing one pound per week. So you've been uh, dieting, uh, let's say for five months. Um, then you're in a 500 calorie deficit. Um, you have probably had 100, 150 calorie uh, reduction in your metabolic rate, then you may, uh, maintenance may be something like 650 calories higher, something like that for you at your body weight now. And then you would sit there for a couple of weeks and then bam, you go straight back into the, um, the fat loss phase. Now, is it necessary for you to then wait and sit there at maintenance for another, what, 12 to 16 weeks, double that time? No, I don't think so. And so I, honestly, further than this, I was a little bit baffled because having such a long break doesn't make sense to me. But then Matt, you were telling me just before we started recording uh, about where this might be coming from. Could you just kind of tee this up? So uh, he may be talking about different coaches, but... I've seen quite a few coaches recommend this because they're thinking that over the course of 12 to 16 weeks, your metabolism is going to adapt and slow down quite a bit. And it takes at least as long as you've been in the diet to restore it, like reset back to your baseline. So the idea is you die every 12 weeks, your metabolism kind of comes down, 
And then you take a 12 week break to bring it back up before you died again. Okay. So the idea there being that if you were to say diet for 12 weeks, um, and let's say you started off dieting on 2000 calories and you were successful, but you ended up having to drop your calorie intake down to, um, 1500 calories. Um, then if you were to have a maintenance phase for those 12 to 16 weeks, you would then be able to start your diet again, but this time from 2000 calories. So effectively you're able to get leaner without suffering the same calorie reduction. This is the idea, right? Mm -hmm. um, no, this would be a misunderstanding of metabolic adaptation. Um, metabolic adaptation, so the amount that we burn um, does change very gradually over time. And part of that is due to different processes in the body that are um, becoming more efficient or being ramped down. Um, and it is true that when we come back to maintenance, it can take a while for those things to return to normal, but this accounts for something like 10% of uh, calorie reduction. Um, I think 15% in the most extreme recorded cases and the rest of the reduction that we need to make to our calorie intake when we, when we diet comes from the fact that we are smaller people and therefore our energy needs are less and our uh, total daily energy expenditure is lower um, because we tend to move around less in the day. And so kind of what I see here is, let's say you're trying to walk from the top of the mountain to the, to the coastline and you have two paths that you can choose. One is to walk straight down towards the coast. The other one is to go over a series of kind of shorter mountains to get there. Um, the easiest path is going to be going straight down to the coast. Now, this is not to say that you shouldn't stop for some water and a cookie along the way, but there's not any need to go to go and climb those other hills. It's just making things harder for you. The way to get around the uh, energy expenditure, the, the neat from dropping, is to try to maintain uh, a, an average daily step count. The uh, metabolic slowdown is something that, sure, that will be reversed, but then it will just come straight back again when you start dieting again. Uh, and the the fact that you are smaller and therefore burn less, well, there's nothing that we can do about that other than <laughs> getting fat again. Um, so effectively, you'll be putting in a long, long delay for very little reward. Uh, and it's questionable whether... Uh, it's questionable how long that 10% bump would even last for once you get back into that calorie deficit. So a lot of effort, a lot of delay for not a lot of reward there. Um, so no, I wouldn't recommend it. Diet breaks, yes, a great thing. Do those until you're feeling ready um, to get back into the fat loss phase, um, but not so long that you fall out of the habits of dieting. Um, generally one to two weeks is fine. Um, longer than that, um, not unless you absolutely feel that you need it and certainly not for any kind of metabolic magic reasons. All right, Adam, I think that's a great question. Thank you very much. Okay, next question. What are your thoughts about machines like machine press and bench press? 
is it worse to do those than free weights? And this is from Vinicius. Vinicius, I hope I pronounced your name correctly there. Um, so I feel like they both have their pros and cons. The first thing, as far as free weights, if you are a power lifter or Olympic lifter, you sort of have to use the free weights. You have to do a bench press, squat, deadlift. That's your sport. You have to practice it. For everyone else, I think you have a lot more flexibility to choose which one you prefer to use. Um, and so when it comes to program design or exercise selection, I think there are a few things to consider and think about. Um, so I'll just kind of share what I think about, and then I'll see if you have additional thoughts. Typically so, with a compound movement, so you, I bring this up because you said machine press, machine, machine bench press. I think it's probably better to do those with free weights most of the time if your body will allow it. Um, you're using multiple muscle groups, multiple joints, like with a bench press or dumbbell press. There's a lot more muscles that have to work to help you stabilize. And I think there's some benefit to that, especially if you look at things like a squat or like a barbell row, you're going to be working your core a lot, which is good, right? We don't usually use a lot of direct ab work because you're training it uh, indirectly and other compound stuff. So if you take that out, you may need to add some kind of core training back in. So compound lifts, I think free weights are great. Uh, everything else, I actually prefer machines for a lot of isolation exercises. I think it kind of locks your form in. So if we look at like a bicep curl, like a dumbbell curl, more often than not, you see people just kind of swinging their hips around, uh, just cheating a lot. I don't really think there's any benefit to using free weight uh, over a machine for some exercises. So uh, for isolation stuff, machines may be better. Um, but overall, yeah, I think they're not interchangeable, but they both have their pros and cons. And then I think the last thing, you have to figure out what feels good for your body. Uh, for a lot of people who have shoulder problems and can't bench press. Um, they have to use dumbbells or a machine. Or if you have an injury or something, you might have to use one or the other. But, um, you know, I don't think machines are bad. And in some situations, I think they may be even better. It just comes down to preference, what your goals are, and what feels good for you, like what you can do without pain. Um, what do you think? Yeah, so I want to pick up your point there about training the core. So um, let's think of this in terms of a bent over barbell row mm. versus a seated chest supported machine row. Now, I think we can all imagine here that the bent over barbell row is going to be more taxing for us overall in order to keep our form really solid and tight. It's just a lot more difficult because of a lot more stabilization that we need to do there. Now, if your lower back is potentially excessively sore or you, you're, and you're struggling to hold that position, um, if you're just tired and struggling to hold that position, um, and you find that consistently in your program, then that's a reason to not do a free weight exercise and instead to do a machine exercise because you've got to think about what you're trying to work here. What you're trying to work is the big slabs of meat on the posterior chain of your body, your back, right? You don't want to limit yourself by the weakest link in the chain, which is going to happen if you're doing one particular exercise. 
uh, and you're finding that that is is limiting you. Sorry, that wasn't a very good way of explaining it, but <laughs> you get what I mean. So, so that you yeah. try the barbell row, you're like, damn, like I'm really struggling with this one. Like I'm having to use a much lighter weight because you know I'm just oh my my lower back is like mm, yeah no or I'm I'm absolutely knackered from the deadlifts that I did uh, like the day before or whatever. Right. So if that's what you find, then that is a very good argument to do. Um, machines, seated machine um, uh, row. Um, it doesn't have to, of course, be seated machine row. It could be, say, a seated um, cable row. Um, it could be a, a, a one-handed uh, dumbbell row on a bench. Is going to be, you know, you, you have your other arm to support you there, so it's going to be less taxing as well. Um, yeah, so. Uh, think in those terms as well in terms of the fatigue that you have there um and then yeah just kind of the matrix that i think through on exercise selection is you know like you said what is your goal Mm -hmm. but well you said like if if you're a power lifter then obviously your goal is to you know be able to bench a lot squat a lot and deadlift a lot like if your goal genuinely if your goal is to have a big bench then you need to bench press a lot but a lot of people say that they want to have a big bench, but actually they like the idea of having a big bench. But what they actually want is to be stronger and they want to have a really developed big chest. And so if that's actually your goal, then it's not a dichotomy between are we going to use machines only or are we going to use free weights only? In this case, it would be dumbbell chest press and barbell chest press. We can use both. Yep. So when you're thinking through, it's like, number one, what exercises hit the chest? Boom, that filters out a lot of stuff. Number two, what exercises feel good to you? What, what are you feeling in your chest there? This is less relevant if you're a noob. If you're new to training, you're not necessarily going to feel the target muscles working. Just trust just trust that they are for now, I'd say. But most people listening are not totally new, right? then what exercises don't mess you up, right? So if bench pressing causes you shoulder or lower back issues because of the way you're arching, well, then try adjusting your grip position and try adjusting how much you're arching. Try adjusting uh, the width of which you have the grip and, and also the angle where you're holding. And if that doesn't help, then, well, hey, consider not doing the bench it's probably best that you don't do the bench which of your exercises in your program are not yet stale Mm. and what exercises do you enjoy kind of that's the filter that i would go through um so an example here should you barbell squat well probably yes but does it hurt when you do it despite your best attempts at using good form if so don't uh, personal example here, I would barbell back squat for years, even though I didn't have enough mobility in my shoulders to get my arms far back enough to be able to hold the bar on my back. And so I would literally jam my arms back and it caused me um, shoulder pain. And I would wake up at night with the shoulder pain. And I did that because, well, I'm an idiot. Uh, and I told myself that I need to barbell back squat because I talk about that on the website and I have a lot of clients 
do that. I recommend that to them. And I felt like a fraud if I wasn't doing it. Well, that's totally silly. Like not everybody, ha- I don't have to do exactly what what I think is, is, is right if I can't physically do it. Um, but that's just kind of an example there. Now, let's say that you are squatting twice per week and you've been doing that a while, but it, it's just generating a little too much fatigue. And perhaps you're, again, let's come to the lower back. It's an easy example we can all relate to. Perhaps your lower back is just, you know, it's not quite feeling it. It's getting a little bit too sore. Well, consider swapping out that barbell back squat for something else. It could be the leg press, for example, which is a machine exercise, but it takes your lower back really out of the equation and that spinal loading out of the equation, puts you in a fixed position, allows you to really focus on your legs. So yeah, it's not it's not one or the other. It's not free weights or machines. Um, try to think uh try to think in in these terms uh, Mm. rather than this black and white all right those are the questions for this week thank you very much for listening if you would like to ask us a question uh, then send us an email to podcast at ripbody.com both of us will be checking that email address and uh, yeah we'll happily answer for you on a friday see you soon